Greetings, this is Ginger Donnell of Broken Boxes Podcast. This episode, I'm in conversation with Kaylee Spitzer. Now, instead of reading her bio to open it up for you all, I had the opportunity to write an essay for her catalog from an exhibition she had at Grunt Gallery in Canada. And I took a lot of time and thought and intention with writing that introduction about her work, so I thought I would read an excerpt from that text for you to introduce Kaylee. So I hope you enjoy and thank you so much for tuning in. There is an extreme vulnerability that must be attended to when a photographer invites a member from an indigenous, black, brown, queer, trans, non-binary, women, and or femme community to sit for an image to be created, quite plainly from their flesh. This vulnerability may be marked by the sitter's trauma of abuse or continued erasure and systemized invisibility or it may stem from a deep mistrust of the camera, which for many indigenous people relates directly to settler colonialism. Its vulgar curiosity has made images which throughout history have exoticized and even aided in the destruction of entire communities through the toxic practice of settler colonial othering. Portrait photographers of settler descent have historically stolen and misrepresented the essence of indigenous peoples, not only in North America, but throughout the world, in support of their own expansion agendas. They perpetuate exotic fantasies about the lived experiences of indigenous peoples and particularly have had harmful impact on women. Although this horrific trend has subsided over the past 200 years, it is still apparent in the world of contemporary photography. Today, however, we are witnessing indigenous, black, brown, queer, trans, non-binary women and femme photographers making their communities more visible than ever before. They actively reclaim the art of portrait photography on their terms. These artists are finding ways to frame their actions, imagery, and language with explicit accountability to the communities they are documenting. When indigenous, black, brown, queer, trans, non-binary women or femme artists get behind the camera to document their peers, they are authentically representing their subjects because in a real sense, their subjects lived experiences is also their own. The photograph can then share a perspective from the community itself through their own authorship and authority. This is a tender and evolved learning experience for any artist crossing into this photographic territory who must be accountable to their communities by properly interpreting and respecting the stories being shared. This process reclaims identity, presentation of indigenous, black, brown, queer, trans, non-binary women or femme people, and is a critical action in dismantling colonialism, patriarchy, and white supremacy. 
Creating work for, by, and within these communities on their own terms is a critical practice of decolonization. When Indigenous queer femme photographer Kaylee Spitzer documents her peers and community members in an exchange of trust and the energy of a moment shared between brown bodies and for brown bodies, it is a lived artistic experience of resilience and resistance. In a subversive act of decolonizing the practice of portrait photography, she is standing up with her peers across the world who are actively reclaiming their community stories throughout all artistic mediums. This way of working as an artist within community is a rewiring of trust. Who we trust and how we ask to be trusted. How we are seen and how we let ourselves be seen. As a person who has worked with Kaylee Spitzer in the past and who has trauma around being seen, it was not easy for me to be photographed, to share my flesh in the timelessness inherent in portrait photography. And it can feel unsafe, especially for many of us who have been manipulated or exotified by settler colonialism. Spitzer recognized this moment of vulnerability with me and with other folks she has documented and has demonstrated what it means to make thoughtful, energetic exchange with those being photographed. Though her artwork takes the final form of a photographic image, Spitzer's mastery is in the creation of relationship. Her practice depends on dialogue and learning about the diverse ways in which her communities interpret and build trust. Each of her portraits therefore evolve through a specific protocol so that each documented community member may feel seen on their terms. So I'm so ready for this conversation, Kaylee. I feel like we have been planning a chat for Broken Boxes for years. And thank you so much for your long friendship and all the work you are doing in documenting story through photography. And yeah, thanks for being here. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here with you, Ginger, and for our long and beautiful friendship. And it's been a long time coming. And I'm just a little bit less nervous these days. So let's do it. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. <laughs> so before we get into some real talk, um, I'd like you to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about who you are, where you're from, how you see yourself in the world and as an artist and what kind of space you're taking up. For sure. Um, I'd like to start with the land acknowledgement that I am an uninvited visitor living on the traditional unceded territories of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish peoples, also known as Vancouver, British Columbia, quote, Canada. And I'm really happy to be here today. Um, I've been living here for the last two years. I'm originally from the British Columbia Yukon border, border, or as we will call it, Delu. And uh, that's where my dad's side of the family is from, and we're Cascadena. On my mom's side of the family, I'm Jewish, originating from Romania. And I think that for me, the most important part of my work is the connection that I make with others and the moments that we have in the dark room and when I'm collaborating with people when I'm photographing them. For me, the intention behind it is 
a lot of the time to heal colonial wounds that photography has a legacy of. And I think photography can be a very invasive and uncomfortable tool often used to misrepresent us. And so a lot of my driving force is to try and heal that. And for me, the most important part is the moments with that person, not necessarily the end product, if you will. So in the way of taking up space, I feel like I'm trying to make space to help people feel comfortable so that we can make a really accurate image of them and how they want to be represented. And then because of the work that I do and some places that I show, we're also taking up space in these very white dominated institutional spaces uh, where historically we haven't been celebrated. And I think that it's important to be in those spaces in order to make human connection. And while I love being surrounded by like-minded people, it's also really important to be in spaces where we don't have as much representation. And I think it's important to engage with folks of different walks of life. And it's important to make human connection. And I think that a lot of systemic racism stereotypes and judgments obviously come from cold hearts and also come from ignorance and that's not an excuse for it and I think that what we crave often in life is human connection and so if I could help somebody have a human connection with somebody that's collaborated with me in an image maybe their mind will change about a certain thing you know and, and maybe they'll go and tell all of their friends that don't run in the same circle as me and then maybe this information spreads in a different way. Yeah, I think that that's really beautiful to consider, like all the different types of um, people in society um, and in life that are affected by colonialism and in what ways, like privilege and oppression. And like going off of that in your bio, it shares that your work embraces the stories of contemporary BIPOC, queer and trans bodies, creating representation that is self-determined and that your collaborative process is informed by the desire to rewrite the visual histories of indigenous bodies beyond a colonial lens. And gosh, darn it, that must be so vulnerable and tender and such a like, yeah, just tender space for you to hold. Yet it feels urgent at this time that folks tell their own community stories, like literally through their lens. And you do this. Can you share a bit more in depth around this approach to photography and the impact you have witnessed it have in your communities and also how you have grown from the work? Definitely. Thank you very much as well. I think I want to start off by saying I've made quite a few mistakes along the way. And I think that that's a really beautiful way to heal and how I how I write and others write about me like you now. Um, is really beautiful, but it's one facet of that. And there was a lot of um, process to get to that point and not all of it was clear and not all, I didn't make the best choices the whole way around, which really informs how I work now. And I think it's important to acknowledge that as well. And I think that for me, making these images with people, first and foremost, the images are for the people in the images. And I like to work with people that I have a relationship with. I feel that working in this way, you need a lot of trust. Therefore, having a relationship with somebody and a foundation of trust enables 
a more vulnerable space often. And people are so generous with me in letting me witness them and how vulnerable they are with me. And therefore, I think it's a huge gift that others get to see that work, hear stories and are impacted by it. It's very generous act by all of the people that I work with. And I think that I've grown in a huge way through that. And it's a lot of, it's a lot of care and energy that I'm so willing to put in. I also check in with people every step of the way where their image goes. And that's a lot of conversation. And so even if I know somebody, I get to know them in a deeper way, even if I've known them for 10 years. Through this process, I most often find out something I didn't know about the person. And I think that a space that's really healed me is in the dark room when we're developing the images together and maybe somebody feels like they look like their ancestors or they feel like they look strong or they're just able to see themselves in a different way. And then there's those times where somebody doesn't like the image. And then we have this beautiful space to change it because it's so wonderful to go through the process together and it's slow. And um, there's a lot of variables within Tintype too. And I think that that can really humble me often and remind me to be patient. And I think maybe sometimes I feel a little bit of ego come in where the photo didn't turn out exactly the way I wanted. And then that's also another lesson in reminding myself that that's not why I'm doing it, you know? And so uh, I think that it's taught me a lot and the people that I photograph have taught me a lot and I'm very grateful for that. Hmm. And then to talk about uh, how important it is for us to tell our own stories and especially at this moment in time, um, I think I used to say that I was trying to give people voice and visibility within this space. And then I've now since learned that's not actually accurate because people are giving their own voice and visibility and I'm just helping facilitate a space I'm not really giving anything to anyone I'm supporting um, and that was a good learning curve for me in how to use the proper language and I think that as empowered beings it's so important for us to be able to tell our own stories and I think that the world right now is waking up in various different ways and people that weren't curious about our stories are now curious about our stories and there's more space and there's more support within community and I think it's really essential in healing to be witnessed and telling your story is part of that witnessing and I think it's really hard to process these traumas that we continually go through when there's no witnessing. And so being able to be witnessed within this process of making the work together and then witnessed by a larger audience as well uh, is really important in storytelling. That's so powerful to talk about and um, to allow for that complexity of like making mistakes and getting it right and listening to community. And um, within your practice, I feel like there are two distinct types of work you create tintype portraits, and then more abstract environment and body-based work using color film. And can you talk about the two approaches and what they mean to you, how they intersect and how they're different? Definitely. I, I'd like to start with acknowledging my mentor, Will Wilson, who's 
um, among many things, taught me how to make tintypes, also known as wet plate collodion process. And I'm deeply informed by his guidance and teachings. I'm also deeply inspired by Kara Romero, who's been very helpful in my process and lots of other amazing photographers. So I was introduced to wet plate collodion work in, maybe I was a teenager, I was quite, taken by Sally Mann's wet plate portraits as well. And then was lucky enough to learn from Will Wilson in New Mexico, 2013 or 14. Um, previous to that, I worked with metal as a silversmith. Uh, so it combined two elements that I love working with. And I can be a little bit of a perfectionist in daily life. and. And the wet plate collodion process really lends to, again, that patience. There's so many variables. It's so rich. And I feel that when working with people in an intimate way, it provides me something that 35 millimeter 120 film doesn't. And again, to circle back to being in the dark room and having that moment with somebody. And it's also really exciting if somebody doesn't know the process to be able to see it. Like how often do you work with an artist and you get to see it almost start to finish within that moment. And so, yeah, I think that that really lends to the collaborative aspect of the work um, among many other things. And I can continue to talk about that. Also to touch on the 35, one, 35 millimeter and 120 color film work. Uh, that's like, I feel like a little kid when I'm shooting those kinds of film because it's the opposite of tintype. You don't get to see it right away. You don't, you can imagine what you've made, but you don't really know. I mean, something could happen between getting the film to development. I don't know, maybe it falls in some water and then you get a really cool effect. There's less perfectionism as well in that process for me. And it's easier. That's also it. It's easier to carry around. I can photograph myself if I want, which is often what I do on road trips. I love to drive and um, having a whole mobile dark room and all of my equipment, which I do want to do as well, just isn't as accessible. So it allows me to be more in the moment. And I definitely prefer to photograph other people. And so that allows for a lot of fun too, because it's faster and when we're outside and elements are changing and lights changing and it's less controlled, it is nice to have a little bit more speed that way, if you will. And, and then sometimes it's just so nice to see through color, you know, there's richness. And I think that color and, and black and white, although tintypes are not a true black and white, they both have their place and, and they lend to a different feeling. Definitely. I, I noticed that in the in the energy of the work that I've had the privilege to see over the years as you've kind of um, continued your trajectory as an artist, how much like a, there's a different type of vulnerability in the color work, I guess, and um, how it's almost more it does have even though you say it allows you to be in spaces and in relationship to other communities, it does tend to have a lot of um, I guess, self-portraiture included in that. And can you talk about that and like using your, your own body and your own environment to tell a narrative? What, what are you talking about and how does the color film work? And I don't know the tech, technical term of the film process, so I apologize. I'm just saying color film and that's probably... No, that's correct. Okay, good. So yeah, <laughs> can, you, can you talk about 
talk about that, like being in these spaces, I've seen imagery of you like um, nude in like abandoned spaces. Like I, I'd love to break down um, the concept of the work a little bit of both practices or whatever you feel like sharing. Totally. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that up because it's the thing that I find most challenging talking about. Mm. Um, and so if I was going to try and flush it out with anybody, I'd like it to be you. Yes. And it's also how I started a lot of my work when I was younger was doing self-portraits or figure studies of other folks within um, kind of decrepit, demolished spaces. And I think that, well, I just, I adore the contrast between our nude form and human-made buildings that are returning to the earth. And I think that there is a lot of connection there. And for example, this land that I live on now, I can see how much it's grieving and how much pain there is from all of this concrete. And there's some connection there for me when it starts to return to the earth and degrade. And I think that placing a nude human form in there um, softens it for me and to do more more directly with the self-portraiture as I said before like sometimes it's just easier because I'm alone and then it also ties into the witnessing as well we all do want to be witnessed I also want to witness myself and all of the changes that our body can go through I have self-portraits from many years ago and it's interesting to look at Um, different stages of myself or to be able to pinpoint, oh, I wasn't well there. Like maybe I was struggling with something in my health and you can see it in my face. And so it's an interesting witnessing. And as I said before, I I check in with people every step of the way where their photo goes. And a lot of people don't want their photo used anymore or not in certain contexts. And I think that that's, really interesting conversation that comes out of these nudes as well like what's changed in your life or how do you feel about that and so I resonate with what you're saying that the color film can be more vulnerable and I see that in the way of I see that in how people want me to use or not use their image yeah and in the tintype um you also do nude portraiture within that aspect um and there is like a lot of it feels like a different like portrayal of vulnerability like I know you photographed your mom who has gone through cancer and lost her breasts Mm -hmm. and I know that you've also um, documented um, or or shared imagery of trans community members and their scars and um, it that almost feels like a whole different conversation but the thread is the the body the vulnerability and can you talk about how if there's any intersection or difference between those two mediums within film like the tintype versus the color film it just feels like there's two different kind of ways of seeing the world going on but maybe I'm just kind of looking at it from somebody who doesn't understand film but I just Mm. feel like you're telling two different stories but using this toolkit that you have um, so can you talk about that work of body within the tintype and that process a little? Yeah, I, I would agree with what you're saying. Like they, they do feel very different to me as well. Mm. And I think for the color film, when I'm working with people, if you're nude, it doesn't equal 
being sexual. And I think it's really important to address this hypersexuality. And so I, I find ways to do that within the color film work. And that's not to say if somebody wants to be overtly sexual and own that shit, like, yes, do that too. Like there is room for both of these. I just don't want somebody to look at a nude form and automatically think it's a sexual image. And I think, you know, we, we just, there's a lot of, that is a huge issue. <laughs> and yes. so I think that um, I like the opportunity to work with both of those feelings and represent both of those things. And for me, in the tintype portraits, I'll, not very many of them are sexual. There's something different. So I think talking more about the nude form and the 35 millimeter color versus the tintype, um, they both do embody the nude form, or sorry, image the nude form. And I feel like they're very different. And as I mentioned before, it's really important for us to be able to be witnessed in our nude form and not be sexualized. And for me, it's like, here we are, I'm standing here. This is me. This is also for me. It's not really for the viewer. And while I try to protect these people and the images and where they go, I don't have complete control over that. So for me, I'm really thinking about the intention and I'm trusting that people are viewing it that way as well. And when we're talking about the nude form in the tintype portraits, while there can be a lot of gentleness and power in these 35 millimeter portraits, it does and work. It just feels so different to me. The tintype is so much about telling that person's specific story. And it's also about represent, well, all of the work, but specifically the tintype portraits are about representing people the way they want to be represented. And that looks like talking with people and maybe they want to be nude. Maybe they want to show their scars. You know, my, um, I made an image of my mom and my ex-partner Taylor, and they both had bilateral mastectomies for different reasons. And that was such a moving image for me. And for Taylor, that top surgery feels like coming home for them. And that showing a nude form in that way is completely different to me. It's not the same. It's not to own sexuality or not. It's to say, hey, this is me. This is where I'm at. This is how I live in my body. That's really powerful to recontextualize what things mean for different people in community like within even one person's like circles of community and that's just really i don't know it kind of gives me goosebumps a little bit so thanks for sharing that of and course. yeah and it's making me think about how i was so lucky to sit for you for an image of your work lots of years ago and create a poem that accompanied that portrait that you made for one of your exhibitions. And the poem I wrote was called The Forgiveness Poem. And I actually read, or I actually like rebroadcast that recording of the poem and gave a nod to you in your practice to open this series of broadcasts up for Radio Coyote, which this interview is premiering on. And incorporating sound into your photography for exhibitions seems to further allow your communities to tell their own stories. 
And that feels like it really drives home the decolonization of photography, which you talk about through your images. Other ways I am witnessing you reclaim narrative through photography as a femme specifically is with the work I've seen in the project Braiding Wounds with Bubsy. And can you talk about that work? Definitely. First of all, I want to thank you for being so generous in making that portrait with me and writing that beautiful poem. I cried when I read it. I cry almost every time I listen to people's or listen, not read, listen to people's voice recordings. And that is a really important piece for me. And I think the voice recordings, I think also were inspired by Will Wilson's talking tintypes. Oh yeah. He's been such a generous teacher. I remember a couple moments being like, this is too similar to your work. And he's so generous and he's given me a lot of space to run with it. And I do think that it's different, but inspired and informed by, and, um, it's, again, it's about taking up that space that is rightfully ours and being seen and heard how we want to be. And for those recordings, there's no time limit. There's no editing unless you do it yourself. <laughs> and, um, and there's no guidance unless you want it. And it is, it's just beautiful and inspiring to, receive these voice recordings again and so generous you know and I think there's something when they're displayed they're displayed with a short cord for the image and so ideally you're slightly looking up at the person listening to their story and can't even look away from their face if you wanted to um, <laughs> and I think that it just adds to us we're multifaceted people we need to be um witness in a multitude of ways and speaking of being witness that's what Bubsy and I were doing for each other in that series and it was also an experiment and I think that braiding wounds came from us trying to heal our ancestral trauma myself being indigenous and Jewish and Bubsy being of settler descent and we got to I think that project was a lot about process as well. Where we want to be with it is that we want to do that for other people. We want to be imaging other folks together. And then Bubsy would draw and paint and put pressed flowers on the images to honor other people. But And we needed to get it down before we were able to share that with other people. So we used ourselves. And that also comes back to that changing of ourselves and and reflecting on Im past images. And it's an interesting process. You know, a lot of people are excited about them. And I think what Bubsy and I are now excited about is doing this work with other people. We're like, yeah, we did it. Okay, let's, let's like move on so we can expand. And it was, it's really healing work, you know? And then it also brings me to this conversation I have with myself often, like what is to be shared with community? What's to keep for ourselves? You know, and, and I think that I ask myself those questions a lot, and especially within this project, a lot of, there's some, been some people asking for prints, and I'm like, do we really need to be selling prints of, like, a white and white passing body, right? You know, like, I don't know, it's just bringing up all these questions for me, and it's interesting to see how other people absorb and, and see the work as well. Um, 
Yeah, that is that is really interesting. Um, and how how did you and Bubsy come to know each other? I mean, it I've just learned about their practice actually through seeing some of the work from that series, and then I kind of went down a rabbit hole and was like, who is this person? <laughs> so can we talk about Bubsy for a minute? Yeah, we're totally in love, platonically or romantically or whatever. Mm. But um, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> <laughs> we met when we were teenagers, and I've been photographing and making images with Bubsy for well over 10 years. And it is beautiful to see somebody you love literally morph bef like before your eyes and grow and expand. And uh, we're very, very different people. And we just love, we love making artwork together. That's how we fall in love with each other. We're like little kids when we go into the studio and I'm like, nude running from the studio to the dark room so that I can develop the image before it dries and it's it's worth never really planned and it's so much fun and that was so healing within that process and I think it was must have been like what was it like seven years ago I sent her a tintype when I was still in New Mexico and I was like sweet paint on it never happened <laughs> Not at lack of her wanting to. I think she was just like, oh, I don't know if I actually do want to paint on this. So <laughs> we've been thinking about this for a long time. And then it just grew and like a lot of wonderful things found its home, you know. And, and then we approached uh, my friend Nikki Little to write about the work and she killed it. And it was, yeah, it all just came together. And now I really do feel like it's a stepping stone to a bigger project. That's so beautiful. I love it when a plan comes together, even when it's like 10 years later <laughs> or however many years it feels. It feels like you all have been growing together to bring you into this moment. Yeah. On that note, I also do want to acknowledge what an incredible artist Bubsy is. And it was such a beautiful process to make these images together and then send them off to her and wait to see what she'd done. And every time I was like, holy shit you like nailed it. How did he even come up with that? You know? And it's, it's so beautiful. And it's, it's like the best gift getting it back. I love that. I love that so much. It just, yeah, I can feel the joy within you for that project. And I know so much of your work is so heavy and even that work is heavy, but I really like literally feel the healing aspect of it in the way you talk about it. So that just brings me so much joy to, to just continue to follow along and see where you all go with it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Shout, loud. 
And so as contemporary artists, it is critical to maintain integrity within each person's practice while simultaneously holding the door open for the next generation of creatives to have access and space to share their work. What do you hope the photography world will be like for femmes and indigenous people in the future? And what shifts are you seeing or even supporting towards this? That's a great question. I think that so many people have come before me so that I could be in this position personally. Um, I don't have a degree in anything. And, uh, and I've still been able to work pretty expansively within this medium. And I think a lot of that is to do with the people that have come before me that have gone through that process. It's now enabled me to have some different choices, which is really wonderful. And I feel like I've had a lot of support and mentorship from folks within this medium that are either a generation above me or further along in their career. And I'm really grateful. And I want to, I would like to also provide that for other people. I had a um, call with a really wonderful Navajo student. Can't remember where they were going to school now, sorry. And it was the most exciting part of my week. The questions that they asked, the engagement, the excitement, I was like, oh yeah, this is amazing. Like, this is so much more amazing than sitting and talking about my own work. It's feeding me in this huge way. It's getting me excited about working and being creative. And, and I think that it's, you know, places like Instagram and different social media, I see lots of artists, including myself and others supporting each other and uplifting one another and sharing other people's work. And I see that as a huge benefit from social media. And that's so beautiful because I think historically there's been a lot of competition and there hasn't been enough funding and artists haven't been paid properly for their time. And so I can understand where some of that competitive energy comes from. And I think that we are breaking through that right now and that we're seeing how important it is to support one another and that supporting another artist doesn't take anything away from you. It adds, it adds so much. And we all envision things in a different way. You know, me and a friend could go photograph the same place and you might not even know it was the same place. So extending that care and love and support um, in whatever capacity, you're able to is really important and I hope for the generation coming up that they're even more expansive and creative and there's I think we're also in a time where that kind of toxic representation of the individual is breaking away and collaboration is really valued and I think like that's a part of a larger conversation as well about the capitalistic art world and how that's run and so I want to see more collaboration. I want to see artists like from all different parts of the world getting together. And especially as Indigenous uh, folks and mixed race folks, there's so many struggles with resource extraction and different things that we share across continents. And I think that art is a really beautiful way to comment on those issues and express it. And so I want to see more networking in that way as well. And, and so that we can grow a greater system of support. Yeah, and as you stated earlier, the camera has been used 
as a, like a tool of colonization historically and even presently. And the language around the school of thought with photography uses terms that are super extractive. And I love your practice because you name this as a toxic way and then engage head on in a different way that attempts at sharing versus taking. And I love that. It's so refreshing. And I know, like you said, you're learning along the way and you're making mistakes and that's how we grow, right? So how has it been for you as an indigenous, queer, Jewish femme photographer to redirect the narrative through your portrait photography? And what has been the response from your community and also from institutional spaces? As you said, you kind of have to engage with both of them in this dance. Definitely. And thank you for acknowledging that it's a process and that I've made mistakes. I, I like to acknowledge that at every turn, you know, um, it also it's opens important. me up to less hypocrisy. <laughs> we got to stay humble. Yeah. And figure it out. We're all in it together. Right. Definitely. And, you know, I'm so, again, I'm so grateful for the people that I work with. They also allow me to make those mistakes and correct myself and continue to find ways to work in the best practices possible. And you got to make mistakes to figure that out. And that doesn't mean that I use the language I want to use all the time. I still have to catch myself and I'm reworking my brain. And that's a good space to be in. And I don't want somebody to feel like a subject or that I'm taking something from them or like that this all of a sudden has nothing to do with them. That's completely opposite of what I'm trying to do. Mm. And also having yes. experience being photographed by a professional photographer who didn't take into account anything I wanted. And it was so uncomfortable. And I was like, Oh, I hope I never make anybody feel that way. Um, my lip was shaking. I was like, this is not going to be, this isn't going to look good. <laughs> you know? So I think it, oh my is, gosh. it is really important. We're making an image together. We're collaborating. You know, I want people to have autonomy. I want people to have choice where would I be if I'm trying to be part of healing a negative experience for somebody? And then I go and reinforce that by being like, oh, actually, I'm going to put it in the magazine, even if you don't want to. That's like re-traumatizing right there. So it's really important to me. And I think that if most people are really receptive to it, the people that I'm photographing, they want to engage that way. You know, they, a lot of, folks are really embedded in their community, whatever that looks like. And I want to be part of that. And I think that that language makes it possible. And, <clears throat> and I think that people feel that, you know, they're excited to work together. And I think as a white passing mixed person, I'm also trying to show how different we all are and that we belong. And and so recently I photographed a friend and, you know, they, they felt really witnessed in a way that they hadn't before in their indigeneity. And for me that I was like, okay, I could quit my job right now. Like, that's what I'm trying to do. Not that I actually want to quit my job. I love it. But yes, no, I hear you. <laughs> right. And you know, there's aspects about the tintype too that have carried out some stereotypes about us. And I can talk about that more at a different time. I just, if somebody feels good about themselves in whatever way it is, 
that is what I want. And I don't think that that's achievable if you're not using the right language and you're not being inclusive. And I think that, yeah, the people that I work with can really feel that. And then most galleries and institutions that I work with are on board too. I don't get a lot of um, pushback against that because I think that most people wanna heal that. And I think a lot of people have had a negative experience with being photographed at some point in their life. And oftentimes I think, especially right now in like the, the temperature, I guess is the word that we're in as far as like institutions trying to like look to the artist to understand how to do better and start that healing process within their spaces is they are actually looking for artists who can feel brave and comfortable to show them the way or show them if how they're not doing the way how how to exhibit the work better how to like rearticulate language around it and it seems like your work along with many other indigenous photographers is doing that right you're definitely i'm one of many yeah calling calling it out and then calling it in like this is this is hasn't been done right, but these are ways that we are visioning it that it could work, and I love exactly. that. Mm. Yeah, oh. and what it so so what's inspiring you right now? Like what? Even though I know it's locked down <laughs> and you're stuck in your house, and we were talking about that before we started recording, <laughs> that it's a little painful for all of us. Even if it's just dream space, Kaylee, like like, totally. where are you? What's inspiring? I'm really grateful I was able to go home recently for a little while. And something that was really inspiring to me is I was out walking and it's still winter and very snowy. And I saw this little bud coming through a bunch of snow. And that was super inspiring to me. I'm like, oh yeah, we can, we can, we can do this. <laughs> you know? That bud's got it. We can do it. And, uh, and then I think that finding finding different ways to connect, even though it's hard and painful right now, there is inspiration coming from that for sure. And and I, you know, if it was safer to do so, I would be in a studio every day imaging people right now and making work with them. And I think that it's a really important time to be telling people's stories and witnessing changes that are going on in folks' lives. Um, and so I'm very inspired to do that when it is uh, safe to do so. And what else? Flowers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love flowers right now too. They are definitely giving me some life. <laughs> oh, actually, I just thought of one more thing, if mm -hmm. you don't mind. Yeah. Seeing, <clears throat> this is complicated because I think it should have been this way for a long time and I don't want to give too much praise to something that should have already been happening, but seeing the representation of BIPOC folks within mainstream media right now and how that's changing is inspiring me. We still have a long way to go. We still could be doing better. And it's also inspiring. Yeah, it is. I feel like there is there is a, a large shift that has been slowly bubbling for a long time and all of these projects that have been in dreams and then brainstorms and then on the sketch pads of people are actually kind of coming to light and it is beautiful to witness and I'm 
I'm really inspired by everything that our peers are doing right now and the accomplices and the allies and the people who are showing up to them for them you know like um everybody's trying to figure it out together and support each other and for all the all the harm that there is in the world that also does feel like there's that space so thank you yeah. for sh saying that it's so beautiful and it's the opportunity if for example i'm not feeling so inspired right now that's an opportunity to shift my energy and share other people's work that's inspiring me and uplift them definitely and so the final kind of sentiment that i would like to invite you to um share is what advice do you have to offer young people who may be looking for a way forward in the world of photography or just like in general like surviving and thriving like queer totally. indigenous jewish like femme what 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 advice can you give or maybe what has somebody offered to you that you can like share you know this is your seed your seed bomb <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I think I've talked a lot about making mistakes within this um, lovely chat that we're having here. And I think that's so important. And I think that um, within institutions and schools, we're often taught that that's not important. And this perfectionism is really pushed. And I think it is one of the most important parts of the process. And I think that we're living in a pretty heavy duty call out culture, which has its place for sure. And I think sometimes that makes it hard to make mistakes. And so just remembering to be gentle and think about intention, your intention, somebody else's intention and coming at things with a bit more love would, if you're, I mean, obviously, not every situation you're able to do that, but in the ways that you can, I think that's really important. And then not, not to get too wrapped up in technical. I think that when we get really wrapped up in technical, we can lose some of our creativity. And it's important to make mistakes in everyday life. And it's important to make mistakes in our craft that we're mastering or learning. Um, such beautiful things can come out of that and just to know that you know there's a lot of us out there that want to support young folks and young artists and learning how to reach out and ask for support or help or mentorship is really wonderful because most people myself included will say yes and be there for it that's beautiful thank you so much kaylee that's um i feel like i've taken a lot of your time or i feel like you've gifted us a lot of your time and i thank you for being present and i'm so excited to share this with the world and i just really care about you and your work and yeah i just feel so so grateful so thank you so much thank you ginger it's it's been a long time coming and I'm so happy to do this with you. And thank you for making this beautiful space for a lot of us artists to talk. I value you as a person and your work so much and I, I just adore you. Mm, yay! <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, cut. <laughs> we out, bitches. <laughs> Peace. Can I sign off like that? Yeah. I'm done. <laughs> Yo, I'm done. Mic drop. <laughs> Last interview ever. <laughs> <laughs> Last interview ever. <laughs> Oh my god, that would be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm gonna stop recording. see me angry they want to see me bare my teeth yeah i'm a stovetop baby i smile in your face but the oven's on
mine Can't tell me when to release mine What you looked into and then find Brought up the same loop the last time I wasn't hiding, that was just private That was their diary, why you entitled? Why are you crying? Say I'm too quiet Watch how they gon' flip it, that's not how I meant it But that's how they write it Now we hear about it in a written column If they gon' misquote me, what's the point of talking? It is not promotion, only nonsense and it's not important Not headlining, I was unimportant I didn't talk about it, I don't talk about it But that's how I liked it, I don't go outside So much they don't invite me interview And I just know they for the spine Are you mad? Yes, I'm mad some black. No, we don't elaborate. I said, oh, yeah, I had to say no. You ain't got the answers. Uh -huh. Wait, no human is in agony. Don't be dreadlocked and tired of face. That's the story they'll gravitate. Stole top day one. What I don't got. Devil's advocate. I saw them play both sides. That's the line they'll cross for exposure. Recluse, reluctant to share most time. Some days I'm almost carefree. Some days I wish I could be. So many women in me. You better stay with me. 